The Legal Underground Podcast, Episode 49. On today's show, something a little different. It's Advanced Deposition Techniques, Part 1. Five ways to assert control at your next deposition. This is the Legal Underground Podcast, hosted by Evan Schaefer, one of the friendliest trial lawyers you're ever likely to meet, but hopefully won't have to. And now, here's Evan Schaefer. Welcome to the Legal Underground Podcast. As I said, it's something a little different today. This podcast is part one of a three-part series on advanced deposition techniques. I'm Evan Schaefer, a trial lawyer from the St. Louis metropolitan area and author of the book Deposition, Checklists, and Strategies, soon to be published by James Publishing. Today's topic is taking control of depositions. What will you learn if you listen? Too often I see lawyers fail to accomplish their goals in depositions, not as a result of inexperience or poor planning, but because they get outmaneuvered by the other people in the room, either the opposing lawyer or just as often the witness. Even very experienced lawyers sometimes lose control of depositions. How can you make sure it doesn't happen to you? That's what I'm going to talk about today in this podcast. I'm making the assumption that you wouldn't go into a deposition without a plan, that you wouldn't start a deposition without first thinking about what you want to accomplish. Maybe you want to find out new facts. Maybe you want to learn more about the opposing party's defenses. Maybe you want to pin down the witness to a single story. It might be a combination of all these things. There are many deposition goals, but there's also a single constant. No matter what your goals, both the opposing lawyer and the witness will usually be resisting your attempts to accomplish those goals. What you need to do is assert control over your deposition. That's what this podcast is about. Five methods of asserting control at a deposition. Let's begin with method number one. Assert control over depositions by choosing to ignore your opponent. At a deposition, your opposing lawyer is often nothing more than a nuisance. And when that's the case, you should treat him like one by paying no attention to him at all. Every once in a while, he might make a valid form objection to one of your questions, in which case you'll have to decide whether or not to rephrase the question. But other than valid form objections, most of what you'll get from your opposing counsel is meant to distract you from your game plan. Don't let it. Say the other lawyer starts to sigh loudly at your questions. You've probably heard it happen. The message from the opposing lawyer is, hey, you're boring me. I don't like that question. It's not relevant to anything. Can't we just move on? What do you do when your opposing counsel sighs? Do you say, let the record reflect that Mr. Smith is sighing loudly each time I ask a question? That's not how I would handle the problem. That's what he wants you to do. Instead, you should treat him like I treat my two-year-old when he's having a tantrum. You just ignore him. Soon enough, the tantrum will end. So will the sighs. What do you do when the opposing lawyer wants to draw you into an esoteric debate about why one of your questions is phrased improperly? Same answer. You ignore him. Save the debate for later when a judge will rule on the objections. Stick to your game plan of accomplishing the goals you set out to accomplish. Making the choice to ignore your opposing counsel is one of the best ways of asserting control over a deposition. And that brings us to method number two. Assert control over the deposition by asking questions. That sounds obvious, I know. But many lawyers forget that they have a huge advantage over opposing counsel and the witness from the moment the deposition starts. You get to ask the question, and the opponent has no choice but to answer. It doesn't matter how important the witness is. He might be a world-renowned cardiologist, 
She might be the CEO of a Fortune 100 company. It doesn't matter. The witness has no choice but to answer your questions. It means the witness can't ask you questions. Of course, witnesses will still try to ask you a question, and you get to assert control again in choosing how to answer. You can be abrupt, like a lot of lawyers choose to do, and say, I'm not under oath today, you are, and you're here to answer my questions. But you can also answer the witness's questions. Usually the witness is just confused about something, and it's merely asking you a question for clarification. There's certainly no rule that says you can't answer. You can, but the point is, it's your choice. You assert control by making that choice. Method number three. Assert control over depositions by controlling the order of the questioning. Most lawyers come into a deposition with an outline. That's just good practice. It shows you've prepared for the deposition, that you've thought about what you want to accomplish at some point before showing up and pulling a legal pad out of your briefcase. What exactly constitutes an outline is a different question. It might be merely a list of topics you want to cover. Or it might be more than that, an entire list of questions from start to finish. Some lawyers do that too. Either way, there's a big risk in having an outline, thinking that you have to follow it. You don't have to follow your outline. In fact, you shouldn't follow it. If you do, you're not asserting control. You're just following a predetermined script written before you knew what any of the witnesses' answers would be. What you have to do instead is keep your goals in mind and then be flexible enough to mix it up once you've arrived at the deposition. It's not a rule that you have to proceed chronologically in a deposition, especially if it's a deposition for discovery purposes that isn't likely to ever be read to a jury. You can proceed chronologically, but you also assert control by mixing things up. When the witness was being prepared by the other lawyer, he probably heard the other lawyer's prediction about how you were going to proceed. And the prediction is usually right because lawyers are usually very predictable. They begin with the standard introductory questions. Then they go into background questions about education and work history. Then they ask next about how the witness prepared for the deposition. All those preliminaries that are often just throat clearing for the good stuff, that is, the hard questions the witness really doesn't want to have to answer. So why not start with the hard questions? There's no better way to catch a witness off guard and insert control over a deposition right from the start. Start first with one of the most important issues. Later, you can circle back to the preliminaries. Right from the start, then, you'll have the witness feeling a little uncomfortable. In addition to questioning what his own lawyer told him about the deposition before it started. And that's important, too, because, as I'll point out in another podcast in this series, one of your jobs in asking questions is to get the witness to quickly forget all those instructions his lawyer gave him about not volunteering and sticking to one-word answers. You have to untrain the witness as you ask him questions. Now, one more caution about outlines. Especially if they're extensive, you run the risk of becoming so fixated on getting through the outline that you fail to ask good follow-up questions. Good follow-up questions are what a deposition is all about. To become an effective examiner, you have to master the art of listening to the witness's answer then changing course on the fly in order to follow up with another unplanned question. As I said, you have to be flexible despite your outline. If the witness suggests a tangent, take the tangent. The outline is merely your rough pre-deposition approximation of what might happen in a deposition. Don't be afraid to throw the planning out the window once you actually get started. On to method number four. Assert control over depositions by controlling the speed of the questioning. I know a lawyer who has a favorite trick he uses when he's deposing a doctor who isn't cooperating. Normally that means the doctor is attempting to evade his questions by answering a question that wasn't asked or perhaps trying to stall by throwing out technical scientific terms or jargon that's off the point. 
One thing about doctors is they're always in a hurry. So, confronted with an uncooperative doctor, this lawyer I know tells the doctor, hey, that's fine if you want to play that game, that's what we'll do, but we're going to be sitting here for another three hours. Then this lawyer retreats back and begins asking additional follow-up questions about matters that have already been covered and left behind. The message is clear. If you're going to waste my time, I'm going to waste yours. Doctors are usually quick to get the point. The lawyer has asserted control over the deposition. You can also assert control over a deposition by controlling the speed of the questioning. As a lawyer who's taking the deposition, you control the clock. You can control it not only by slowing it down, as I just described, but also by speeding it up. Assert control over a witness by asking questions so fast that the witness doesn't have time to guess where you're headed next. Because you have the advantage of asking the questions, asking questions very quickly is easy to do, much easier than it is to answer them. It's a simple method of keeping witnesses off guard. Some witnesses will still think that they can control the clock. Every once in a while, you'll get a witness who attempts a strategy of rambling on about something you haven't asked. You have a choice. You can let the witness ramble in the hopes that he'll volunteer something useful, or you can interrupt and ask a new question. Some lawyers think that they're prohibited from interrupting the witness, but that rule doesn't apply if the witness is answering a question that wasn't asked. Assert control by stopping the witness and asking a new question. Finally, you can control the clock by doing nothing at all. When you think you're finished, for example, you can take all the time you want to look through your notes and make sure you're finished. Since you control the clock, don't let anyone rush you. If your opposing lawyer tries it, refer back to method number one. Ignore them. It's a strategy that works every time. And last, method number five. Assert control over depositions by being confident about your abilities. How do you obtain confidence in taking depositions? Experience helps, but all that's really necessary is knowing the rules and procedures that govern your deposition. These rules and procedures will differ, of course, depending on the court and jurisdiction where the case is proceeding, and it's up to you to know these distinctions and differences. Not only should you take the time to plan for the deposition, but you should also figure out what you're going to do if things don't go as planned. You should never go into a deposition, for example, without knowing the procedure for obtaining the court's intervention should that become necessary. It almost never does, but you have to know the phrases and magic words to put on the record if you should need to start down that road. In addition to knowing the rules, you should also be willing to critique your own performance after every deposition. For your first hundred or so depositions, you should keep a log with the name of the case and the witness, and you should make notes of the things you've learned and the mistakes you made. You should also pay close attention to the opposing lawyer. What strategies does he or she employ that you like or don't like? Always be open-minded enough to learn from lawyers who are more experienced than you. And that's it. Those are my five tips for asserting control over depositions, and we've reached the end of this podcast, the first part of a planned three-part series on advanced deposition techniques. If you're interested in listening to parts two and three, look for them on my weblogs, either Evan Schaefer's Legal Underground at legalunderground.com or the Illinois Trial Practice weblog at illinoistrialpractice.com. That's also where I'll be posting more details about my upcoming book, Deposition Checklists and Strategies, soon to be published by James Publishing Company. And finally, my law firm is Schaefer & Lemire, which you can find on the web at riverbendlaw.com. Thanks for tuning in. This has been the Legal Underground Podcast. For more legal education, visit Evan Schaefer's Legal Underground at legalunderground.com. When it doesn't nauseate, it always entertains. <laughs>